Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. As a young black guy, they was like, you have to work twice as hard. And I've always like, yeah, okay, cool. Go work twice as hard to get the same thing that my peers are getting. So I've always been like, yeah, just stay on it, stay on it, stay on it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I talk to comedian and writer Nathan Caton. Hi, this is Steve Wiley, comedian, actor, filmmaker and writer, all-round ADHD creative. And welcome to my new podcast, Balancing Acts, where I talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians, actors, directors, all sorts. And we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond. Balancing Acts is made in association with the Comedy Crowd who support independent comedy creators. They showcase the best new videos on ComedyCrowdTV.com and across media platforms. They support independent comedy creators and showcase the best new videos, including adult animation, sketch shows, web series, viral hits, and lots more. So if you're a creator, then do check them out. Nathan has been performing stand-up comedy since the age of 19. He's performed numerous times at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and live at the Apollo. He's been on Mock the Week, Don't Hate the Players and Russell Howard's Good News amongst others. Earlier on in his career, Nathan starred in a pilot for what was then Paramount Comedy, which is now Comedy Central, entitled The Nathan Caton Show. And he wrote and performed in his Radio 4 series, Can't Tell Nathan Caton Nothing. He's also written for the children's series, Raster Mouse, and he currently has a sitcom in development with Lenny Henry's production company, Douglas Road. As a huge fan of football, Nathan has also appeared on the BBC Premier League show and is a host on his own podcast, Nathan Caton's Football Forum, as well as his newer podcast, Give Me Some Good News. Really enjoyed this chat. Nathan is a funny guy. We covered a lot of ground. We kicked things off talking about the challenge with, with switching off and why Nathan finds it hard to, to take time out. He talks about his love-hate relationship with social media and why he felt getting his Comedy Central TV pilot came too early on in his career, but why also he didn't let it affect him when the pilot didn't get a series commission. And he also explains what he learned from that whole process. He describes how he tried to balance gigging early on in his career and having to get up the next morning for lectures because he was studying architecture at the time and then also a little bit later on when he was gigging and also juggling part-time work at Heathrow Airport. He describes his family's reaction to when he first decided to commit to being a stand-up uh, as, as a career. Nathan also breaks down his very positive first Edinburgh Fringe uh, show experience. He talks about life on the road. We discuss what qualities you need 
to commit to being a stand-up comedian and why why some people stay stay on the path and others fall off. Nathan explains how his family have instilled a strong work ethic in him and he breaks down the benefit of collaborating with writers from a different perspective and point of view and how that can conjure up a certain magic. We talk about the importance of staying present in life in general to develop new material. He mentions the comedians he looks up to most and, and aspires to. And we also discuss uh, his life outside of his comedy career and what he does to relax and including weightlifting, swimming and doing hit workouts. This was a real uh, fun conversation and it was really great chatting to Nathan about his whole comedy journey. So without further ado, over to Nathan Caton. Perfect. So how's your lockdown part two going? Yeah, just oh, shit, mate. Just, I'm, I'm not used to staying at home doing nothing. I always got to do something. You know yeah. I mean? You've got to be productive. Um, so yeah, to be at home and just, yeah, the, the only saving grace is that my girlfriend's gone to work, so I'm like, oh, I can't house myself. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Are you someone that uh, traditionally starts to uh, or finds it hard to relax? Um, not relax, but just I find it hard to just switch off and do absolutely nothing. Yeah, I know that feeling. I, yeah, I can't just be, sit there and like I'm just gonna watch TV all day. It's like, no, nah, like, nah. I need to do something productive. Okay, it's like even just like playing FIFA. Okay? Yeah. At least then I'm I'm doing something productive. I'm winning games or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I can't just sit and be like, oh, I'm just gonna chill all day. So no, 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 no. I wasn't I wasn't raised that way, man. I can hear yeah. my mum and my grandma in my in, in my head going, "Do some work, boy." Yeah. <laughs> so, so are you are you a big gamer? Um, I'm in and out. Okay. I mean, okay. in my teenage years, that's all I did. Yeah. Just play FIFA and whatever. And then as comedy kicked in, like, I didn't have time. I, was, I had gig list, not social life, so. You was, started early, didn't you? Like, 19? Yeah, 19. And so, yeah. Um, didn't have time for all that stuff. And then uh, I kind of had, like, spells where I'd play it, and then my PlayStation would be, like, cold for, like, six months. Then I'd play yeah. it again. And then, like, the first lockdown, I got back into it, and I was smashed it. It's, it all came flooding back to me. It all came oh, back to you, yeah. This is, this is how you do the buttons. It's like a lover that you neglect and then sort of like you come back together and it's just the chemistry is just there. Yeah, exactly. Why do we yeah. have a breakup, baby? Yeah, exactly. So are you doing, are you doing uh, Zoom gigs or are you not yeah. partaking? You are, and how are you finding them? Yeah. They're okay. I mean, well, at first it was weird because the first few Zoom gigs I did, um, everything was silent. The audience were muted, so you're just yeah. talking into open space, a, a void of silence, and it just yeah, it felt less like a gig, more like just a monologue or like a, a personal breakdown. You know, yeah. I'm saying all these punchlines and there's nothing. Um, but then slowly but surely, more and more gigs started like unmuting certain cameras, certain audience members. So it's better now because there's reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah, you there's, can finally hear the laughter. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, in that sense, it's perfectly fine. But nothing's going to be, you know, spin in a club with the audience right there. That yeah. connection, that the atmosphere in the room, you know. Yeah, you can't be that. Exactly, you, you can't be that. So, so how how are you spending your time now creatively? Are you still writing stand up material every day, or are you working on different types of projects? What are you up to? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm always writing something. So I, I do write stand up. Um, I don't always like sit down and write, but like I'll it, mentally I'll come up with something okay. and then next time I'm, I'm at my desk um, like now like I'll make sure that I note it down 
or type it up or something. Okay. So I'm doing that, um, doing bits on social media. Yeah. Um, I've got more time now because uh, I haven't really have time before to like be as productive on social media. Whereas now I've got pretty much all day to kind of put stuff out if, when and if I want to. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> doing that. Um, I could do a football quiz on my Insta Live. Um, do the podcast that I'm doing. Um, and then there's a few scripts that I'm working on as well. So, so you're keeping busy? Yeah, yeah. I've still got my, my fingers are in a few pies still, man. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And are you enjoying being more immersed in creating social media content and that side of things? Um, I, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Yeah, tell me I mean, about I, it. I, I see the pros of it, obviously getting content out and connecting with your fans and stuff. Mm. But at the same time, like, there's... There's a lot of shit out there, yeah. and yeah. I don't want to get lost in that. I don't. Want, I don't want to be part of that. You know, I don't want people. To, oh, you're that guy from Instagram. No, 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 no. I've been doing stand up for like nearly two decades now, mate. Do your research. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with being a social media comedian, but I'm not a social media comedian. I'm a stand up comedian. Right. Like, yeah. Who happens of, to do social media content? Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of like you know comedians and people come on comedians on social media. It's like, are you really, or are you just on a, a funny thirty second clip? which has gone viral and now you think you're a comedian. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and then also, this is a, just a lot of nutters on social media. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to be part of this world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, you just always this thing, like, you just imagine, imagine those sort of, like, uh, conversations translating in the real world at a party. It must be a mm. fucked up party. Yeah, exactly. It's like, who invited this guy? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I'm leaving. I'm going home. Yeah, there's a lot. So many. I mean, I'm I'm all for free speech. I understand everyone should be entitled to the free speech. Mm. But then I go on social media. I'm like, not everyone should be entitled to free speech. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a limit. There's a limit. Yeah, exactly. So we touched upon you. You starting early doors at 19, doing stand up, and then. How long was it before you started doing stand-up that you then had the opportunity for your pilot sitcom, which was then with Paramount, who are now obviously uh, Comedy Central? So that was very early. It was, a, well, looking back on it now, too early. Right, okay. Um, it was, <clears throat> yeah, it was too, too much too soon. Um, so I was How early are we talking about? Maybe three years in. Okay, okay. Two, two or three years in. I was yeah. 21, 22. Wow. When it came out. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I was skeptical at first when they first talked about it and I, yeah. just, I was like, I don't know, I'm, I'm really, should I really do it? But then it was like, well, you're that young. Why, why would you turn down opportunity to do something on TV with your own name as well? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it was fun to do and it was a learning experience and looking like me now would not produce the same content, uh, if I had to do that show it's again, obviously way, isn't now. it? It's always like when yeah. you look back at past past material or whatever it is, you're just like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm changed now. I'm a different person. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I was a boy then. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, right. I'm a man now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was fun to do. Um, but yeah, it was... a. Uh, it was... Uh, if I if I could have told myself to hold back and You would wait, have done. Right. Yeah, I would have done. By the time, it was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm 21, 22. I'm going to be on TV. Yeah, I'll do it. So was your like mindset at that time like this is it I've arrived I've I've made it. Uh, no, not not I've made it, but it was like it's it's exposure. People are going to see this. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, uh, yeah, and it's it's a chance for me to, to people to go. Oh, Nathan Caton, the comedian. 
I was like, yeah, this is a, it's an opportunity. Not yeah, I've made it, but an opportunity. Okay, and, and so when that didn't get commissioned as a full series, um, mm. I guess then by taking that sort of sensible mindset, you weren't completely not for six. We able no, just no, no, like dust yourself no, off and you're like, okay, cool, good experience, but move on. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I can use those characters elsewhere, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, which I did for a short bit. So okay. it, was, it was fine. It was like, I mean, that, the Nathan Cain show was, it was a bonus. Because at the end of the day, I was, I was always doing a stand-up. So I was like, okay, well, that hasn't worked out, but I'm, I'm still going to carry on doing stand-up and then I'll try and use some of those elements from that show in, in another project, be it another stand-up show pitching to someone else. So okay. I, yeah, I wasn't like deflated or anything. I was like, all right, cool. Next. Like, next I, thing, I, yeah. I, even like now, I've still got, I always have the mentality when I do something, all right, what's next? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it moving. Um, yeah, exactly. No matter what I do, like Nathan Kane show, Mock the Week, Love of the Apollo, whatever, it's like, okay, what's next? What's the next, what's the next rung on the ladder? You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not resting on your laurels. Yeah, that's a, that, that's, that's a good approach. So, for for that pilot then were you were you creating characters were you doing was it sort of a character led show and and if so is that something you incorporate now in your stand up um so yeah the show was about having uh, funny characters who would come back and like recurring characters yeah but um i didn't aim to do that okay it was basically a producer who saw my stand up um saw that my, my stand-up content there was a lot of characters in what i was talking about yeah and they're like well can you portray that can you like bring that into like comedy sketches okay you, you talk, I, was, I was talking about my brother you know my mum, my, my grandma all that kind of stuff so you got the characters in your stand-up just yeah make them into um characters for tv um and yeah so that's that's basically what i did um but yeah i i didn't set out it was never like okay i'm a character comedian I yeah, just a stand-up, but I was talking about people in my life. Okay, so you're kind of doing more act-outs and, you know, telling stories yeah, and then incorporating exactly. those characters. Yeah, yeah, got you. Okay, cool. And then when you did your Radio 4 series, Can't, mm. tell, Nathan, uh, Can't tell Nathan Kane Nothing, would you say that was more of a sort of personal reflection on, on you and your life as opposed to character-led comedy? Yes, that was, that, that was my life at that time. Yeah, yeah, because um, you, you studied... Life. You studied to architecture, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so did you study architecture and then go into stand up, or were you doing them both simultaneously at, at, at the early stages of your career? Yeah, I was doing both okay. uh, at the same time, which probably reflected my grade when I had a degree. <laughs> <laughs> I spent more time doing gigs than doing my uh, like dissertation and stuff. Um, oh yeah, after my first year of studying, that's when yeah. I started doing stand up. So, did, so years two and three, I was studying but also traveling up and down the country doing gigs wow okay um which is not a healthy combination i'll tell you that man getting in like one two in the morning and getting up for like a 9 a.m lecture but i've got um, a feeling just from the you know the short period of time that we've been speaking to you you kind of thrive on that oh no yeah i, I like i like being busy yeah, it's great. yeah, yeah. So, okay cool 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 what, what's next what i'll do next what I'll do yeah next. yeah um but in terms of like just you know just resting the body then, yeah, yeah cool okay <laughs> Have you got better at that now? I know we, you know, lockdown aside, before lockdown, when things were in full swing, are you somebody that's able to find that time to recuperate? Mm, not unless, like, my girlfriend will actually nag at me. Okay. Like, okay. 
can you just like stay your black ass at home for one night? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah like she, she'll nag at me or like, I don't know, like if we'll have something booked. Okay. And then I'll go away. I'm like, oh, well, actually, I, I needed that. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't realize how tired I am until yeah. I actually do stop. And then my body just goes complete shutdown. Yeah, yeah, you crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, like, I'll, I'll, just, I'll keep going. I, I, I keep telling myself that I'm going to, no, every January, same thing happens. I say to my girlfriend, "This year, babes, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a bit more time off. You know, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. have a weekend off. You know, maybe once a month, a month, maybe once every two months, and it never happens. Because I've got to the stage in my career now where like my diary gets busy quite quick. Okay. So the gigs just go, and next thing you know, I haven't got a weekend off until like, I don't know, like November when it's my birthday or something like that. Um, and and so oh, okay, this happened again. And my girlfriend's like, I knew it happened again. Like, right. Like, even like during lockdown, she she told me like, when the world opens up again, just calm down because she knows that she knows that I'm gonna try and take even more gigs to make up for the lost time in lockdown. Yeah, of course, of course. So just to go back a bit, in terms of getting signed to your Asian, at what point did that happen? Did that happen before the pilot with now Comedy Central or? What stage did that happen, and, and how did that come about? And and, so, would you, and would you say that was like quite a defining moment in your in your comedy career? Uh, the first agent I was with, um, that was yeah, that was um, was the producer. One of the producers on the Nathan Caton show uh, was good friends with an agent uh, at International Artists, as they were called then. I don't know if they still call it now. And um, he recommended me. He was like, because like you, you're doing this TV show now, you know. You, you're not signed. I know an agent. And then she came down to watch me and she was like, yeah, we'd love to sign you. Um, but it was only for acting. Like, it wasn't for stand-up. So stand-up, okay. I was still booking myself. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like it was a major defining moment for me. It was exciting to have my first agent, but I didn't feel like it changed anything. Um, if anything, I think it was my... So after I left them, I signed with another agency. Again, they were more for acting and TV stuff. But then uh, at the same time, I got an, an agent to do my live, my comedy stuff, uh, a woman called Delphine, Delphine Manley at okay. Beyond Compare. That felt more defining okay. for me because up until that moment, I was doing a lot of the booking, my comedy mm-hmm. clubs myself. And it takes up a lot of time. Yeah, it takes up a lot of time. And also it's, it's harder. You know, yeah. There were some comedy clubs who were still like, they wouldn't give me like full spots or they weren't replying to me okay then when i joined beyond compare she got me she opened those doors that i was struggling to open myself right and like i think from that moment on my diary was just like consistently rammed okay okay yeah so um yeah i had a had a good knock-on effect then and oh yeah, yeah and in terms of gigs that you were playing at um did you start from the off doing what people describe as mainstream gigs or were you doing uh, a mixture of that and then the, the black circuit as well um i i've, I've always done both okay when i first died i probably did more black circuit than mainstream yeah um i don't, I don't know why I, guess, I, don't know, I just kind of i thought maybe that's that's where i should go yeah um but then i got more mainstream work and i was enjoying it i mean to me, I, I don't care what the audience I like. Yeah, Everyone of course. Laughs, you know what yeah. I mean? Laughter's universal. So I was like, okay, whoever's offering me work, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. Yeah. Um, 
and more more mainstream work started coming in and less and less black surfing kids were coming in, which yeah. I, had, I had no problem with. I mean, they weren't calling me, but I didn't need to call them because I was still getting work off the mainstream. Got you. Uh, and then that's continued on, on the mainstream, really. I still do black gigs. If, you know, they, if they call me and they want me, I'll do it. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I just get... The, the mainstream, I think, I can perform you know, black, white, Asian, whoever. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's perfect for me because yeah. I, I, I want to make everyone laugh. Yeah, yeah, that makes complete sense. I, I was talking to um, somebody who came on the podcast a few weeks ago. Do you, I don't know. Do you know Hayden Prowse? He um, he's sort of like a satirical comedian. He did a show that okay. the revolution will be televised. Oh, um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were talking about um, he just watched Mo Gilligan's documentary. Yeah, and how how it's crazy or like what a travesty is. You see. He, he said, you know, from seeing this documentary, I haven't actually seen the documentary, but I know some comedians through the black circuit who, uh, who've been on that circuit for years and they kill, just kill, but then just haven't, for whatever reason, transitioned through to the, to the mainstream. Mm. And it's just a bit crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I don't know why, um, but I, I knew from early doors, that I didn't want, just want to, I didn't want to just stay on the black circuit. And, yeah, I understand and that. That's it. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why I, was, why I did both. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And um, how were your family? Uh, what was their whole attitude to you? To you deciding to commit to comedy, having studied architecture, and then you know going all out for comedy? Uh, well, they, they, they obviously weren't impressed. Yeah, uh, to, <laughs> that's an understatement. Um, I think it was it was a shock. It was a okay. curveball. They didn't see it coming. For them. Yeah. Comedy was always it was always always a hobby. It was never a profession. So like, how okay. do you make yeah. how do you make a living from telling jokes? No, go yeah. and get a proper job. Yeah. And I'd always, I, I they said it they said it to me so much. I was I was believing it. I was like, yeah, comedy's not that's not a job. Right. It's, it's a right. hobby. Okay. So I went to university and I was and the first person in my family, you know, to, to go to university and graduate. So there was a lot of there was hype. There was yeah. hope. So right. my was going to be an architect. <laughs> right. And right. Then right. I come out and be like, nah, guys. I'm going to be a joker, a professional yeah. clown. And yeah, um, my, I remember telling my, I told my mum, it was me, my mum, my brother, we were out at dinner. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, so um, once I graduate, I'm going to continue doing the comedy. Because at that time, I was doing comedy. But uh, like, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was getting like part-time change. Okay, yeah. But I thought, you know what, that's, that's enough. You know, I can yeah. see, see where it goes. And my mum was like, uh, how are you going to pay your, your, your part of the rent? So it was like she was saying, you're not funny enough for someone to pay you money on a consistent basis to pay the rent. And I was like, no, I'm going I'm to give it a go. And my grandma, she didn't get it because it's like, boy, it's comedy, it's a hobby, boy. You're not even funny. <laughs> um, yes, they, they, just, they didn't get it, which I, I totally understand. I totally yeah. get why, why they'd be like, you can be an architect earning how much, you know, you can travel around the world doing your profession and you want to go on stage and tell jokes, you dickhead. Um, so yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they, just, they didn't quite get it, but from, in my head, I was like, well, I'm, I was 21 or 22. Right? Yeah. Um, I was getting a little bit of money. I was like, let me just give it a go while I'm young, you know, while I've got nothing to lose. Yeah. I've got no responsibilities, no, no wife, no kid, nothing like that. Let me just give it a go. See what happens. If it don't work out, I'll fall back on my degree, which I've got, you know, like, yeah. my degree was my insurance policy. Like guys back off can even just give it a go and see what happens and nearly two decades later i'm still blagging and getting money so it's cool now 
And are they are they cool with it now? They've accepted that you're a comedian. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, now that they can see that I'm, you know, I'm on TV and I'm making money and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Now they're <laughs> like, like, we I'm, we always knew, we always knew. Yeah, <laughs> it, it always been so funny that boy. Oh lord. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Now now they're cool. You know, they see I'm, I'm gigging every night. You know, done TV, radio. You know, like bought bought home from doing comedy. They're like, okay, okay. Yeah. He's, he's he's kind of funny now. He's kind of funny. They give you the pat on the back. So during that period where you were hustling hard, where you say, you know, you were earning enough like part-time, but it wasn't quite enough to pay the rent. What were you doing? Uh, what other jobs were you doing? How were you balancing it out? Um, so I worked part-time uh, at Heathrow Airport okay. for about, uh, about a year or so. Okay. Um, first, I was, a, I was a checking agent for American Airlines, um, which absolutely killed me. Like both mentally and physically, because um, so I'd be doing gigs, yeah, getting I don't know, getting one, whatever from gigging out of town, and then I'd have to wake up at like four in the morning for a six a.m. start because obviously early early morning flights. Yeah, and I remember I used to I used to wait, I used to be so pissed. I was like, I'm a comedian, I shouldn't be doing this. I deserve better. Uh, I remember once when I was working out uh, doing check-in. Um, a bunch of comedians, uh, older comedians, like who I'd seen at the comedy store, or whatever. They were going out to somewhere in the Middle East to do some gigs, and I was so pissed off. I was like, I want to be doing that. It's, I want to take me on a plane with you. Give me, get me on for ten minutes. Instead, I got to stay here and check in all these guys. And uh, I was, yeah, I hated it, but obviously I had to pay the bills. Um, so I did that, and then I, I worked in a World Duty Free as well. Um, around the same time um and yeah i was so doing those two and then gigging uh it was, yeah it was, it was tiring i can imagine and how long did that period last until you were finally able to say Do you know what i can just now fully focus on doing stand-up so that, that, that was about yeah about a year maybe a okay. year and a half tops okay um because I, yeah, I worked at chicken agent uh, and then i left and went straight into duty free Mm-hmm. I was at Heathrow Airport. Yeah. So all in all, that was about yeah, maybe a year or a year and a half, and then uh, I was like, you know, I need to, just, I need to just go for it, man. You know, just while I can, just go for it. Because um, I was, I was getting a bit changed from comedy and starting to pick up a little bit. I was like, you know, you could probably do it. So I was like, oh, you know, what? I'm going to give it a go, and I decided to try and go full time. And then, luckily, shortly after that, uh, I signed with uh, Delphine. Well, I did, did my first Edinburgh, then signed with Delphine. And that's when things started to kind of go, okay, I think I can do this full time now. Six, you literally went all in and then everything, the door started to open. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, doing do my first Edinburgh. Um, open. How was that doors. experience? It was scary. Yeah. Because I didn't think I could do a whole hour. Okay. Know? I didn't think I'd be funny enough or good enough to, to entertain the audience for an hour, but I did. And I was like, oh, shit. I mean, apart from, apart from maybe doing like Love of the Apollo, my first, my first night in Edinburgh in 2009, doing my first night of an hour show, probably the best show, because one, the audience were laughing, and two, it made me believe in myself. I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, and yeah, it was, it was great. Um, I had a really good first Edinburgh. Uh, helped. I was 
something different compared to what you normally get in Edinburgh. Yeah. You know, I was an archetype middle class white dude. Mm-hmm. I was a young black kid from West London. Um given a different perspective on life and um it, it struck a chord with the audience um got nice reviews and stuff uh got work out of it uh that's how i got my radio four stuff from the edinburgh oh really the head, yeah the head of comedy at the time came to my show okay. and afterwards she gave me a card she's like, she's like i don't know what we can do with you but i want to do something with you take my card great and that's how I, all the radio four work came in and other bits and pieces so yeah, I I really enjoyed that first Edinburgh. It was, it, it actually got something out of it. Yeah, that's amazing because this that's quite a rarity. You speak to so many people who've done yeah. Edinburgh, and uh, some people say you know it was it was a worthwhile endeavour, or some people say you know it it was good, but it completely fucked with my mental health. But it's it's mm. refreshing to hear such a a positive uh, experience. Oh no, the, the ones after that were shit though. <laughs> <laughs> How many more did you do after that? Um, no, I did nine, ten. I did four more after that. Four more, okay. Yeah. Um, so what? Do you you cool. peaked too soon. <laughs> your, your fringe experience peaked too soon. <laughs> no, well, in terms of getting work, yeah. I mean, two thousand nine was definitely the best one. Okay. Um, in terms of what I got out of it. Okay. Two thousand ten was the the difficult the second album syndrome. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, then 2011. 2011 was okay. It was, it was still fine, mm-hmm. 2011. Uh, 2014 and 15 were... Well, 2014 and 15, I got, I got tools out of it. So I was all right. right. But nothing... I don't think anything will beat that, that first experience. Yeah. Both for what I got out of it and, like, personal satisfaction. Yeah. Perfect. Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, if you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. So talk to me about your touring experiences. When you are on the road touring solo, mm. do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy the solitary nature of it? How, how do you find it? Um, you know what? I'm kind of used to it. It's like second nature now. I don't yeah. think about it. Okay. Um, do I, enjoy, I mean, sometimes I enjoy it. You know, like getting some peace and quiet from the girlfriend or whoever. I mean, just... <laughs> In a hotel I, I hope she's not going to be listening back to this. Oh, she knows. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, like when she went back to work after lockdown, like, uh, I told her how happy I was. I was like, I, I love you, babes, but yeah, just, just fucking do one, please. Um, and yeah, the weekend's away. Just, it's, it's cool getting some peace and quiet, you know, just like chilling by myself. Yeah. Um, I think what, what I miss the most, uh, what I don't like, is like I miss having like a proper home-cooked meal. You know what I mean? Okay. Like having a takeaway, it's, it's, it's exciting at first, but then after a while, it's like, okay, how many like Nando's or KFCs can I have? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. <laughs> I just want home cooking. Mean, I just want to go home and cook my own food and have some cooked vegetables as well. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's the main that, thing. Yeah. It's the food. Yeah. That, yeah. 
That's pretty good. I mean, in terms of that being the the, the only thing that, you, you know, that affects you, because some people speak to, they find it quite, you know, the, the solitary aspect quite lonely. But as you said at the beginning, answering that question, you're used to it. So I guess it's just like second nature to you. Yeah, I don't that for me, that's it's just part of what I do. It's part of the game. So like, yeah, yeah, of course I'm going to be away a lot by myself. That's just, that's just that's my job. Part like, past, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even I don't even like think about it. It's like yeah, well, how else am I going to go? Yeah, yeah. Um, so socially, have you got sort of like a combination of like your friends who you grew up with in your area, and have you also got your own social circle of of comedians that you came up with? Um, in terms of friends, like outside comedy yeah i've got some a few friends from like college and stuff with who yeah like, still tight with now um yeah are, you, we, are like, you the only one out of your friends that is doing something like like this in, in a in creative field or is it, is it a mixture um yeah i'm, I'm the only one I'm, okay well you know actually one of my other friends um he was doing stand-up yeah uh, and then and then yeah, he kind of like drifted out of it and now he's he's, he's working uh, a proper job shall we say okay. yeah um, so it's, I'm the only one who's like who's doing stand up, who's yeah. doing some, you know, performing arts. <clears throat> um, in terms of the guys who I came up with, um, who did I come up with? Uh, I wouldn't say we're not like in a circle of friends, but I think on on comedy circuit, everyone kind of knows each other anyway. So yeah, everyone's like everyone's friendly. Everyone's like it's one big happy family. Who I came up with? Um, who are in my new stuff, Jimmy McGee. Trying to think who was in my finals, like when I when we did that comedy competition and stuff. Sarah Millican, actually. Yeah, so 2005. Was it 2005? Yeah. The Amuse Moose Comedy Award. Uh, the final was in Edinburgh. Uh, I was runner up. Sarah Millican came first. Uh, whatever okay. happened to her? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's quite a few comedians actually starting around the same time as me. Okay, and with the comedians that you're you're friendly with, will you share material or like if you're working, let's say you're working on your on a solo show, etc., will you ask for mm. feedback on jokes or anything like that, or do you find your most of your feedback just comes from just you know trying stuff out on stage? Um, I would say most of it comes from trying stuff out on stage, but if I'm at a gig uh, and there's another comedian there, and they're like, oh, you know that bit that you do, would yeah, be yeah. funny if you. That would always, yeah. That happens all the time. That that's cool. I don't, I don't mind that. I'll, I'll always take that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I take advice from my peers. Um, yeah. So, so maybe on the odd occasion, a comedian might ask, um, you know, if you can just chuck stuff around or write something together. Yeah. But most of the time, if it happens, it will happen at a gig. Yeah. You know, they, they'll see the joke and then they'll add something to it, or yeah. you know, give me a suggestion or something like that. For and, sure. And just, just workshop after the gig backstage. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. And we, you were saying before, you know, you've got a friend who also did stand up and then they drifted out of stand up. Mm. What, what do you think is that is the difference between those that really just decide to, to, to stick and go all in with stand up as, as opposed to some people who dabble in it and then drift off? Is it, is it to do with how much you love every aspect of it? Um, I, oh, gosh, that's a good question. See, I'm I'm quite fortunate in that. Like, <clears throat> I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love what I do. Yeah, which is the that's a massive part of it. Yeah, you know, like I'm addicted to like stand up to comedy, like like a drug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think for my mate in particular, he's not based in London, which uh-huh. I think for me, being in London is a massive advantage. 
Sure. Because there's so much work down here. Yeah. There's so much, so much like, there's comedy on every night of the week. Yeah. You know, I could pop into central London and I can get on somewhere. Yeah. Which I think, I should, so I think my location, like the accessibility is a big factor. Okay. But, but also, yeah, also my, my, my passion for it, you know, been committed, uh, been stubborn, you know, like not taking reje- rejection to heart too much and be like, all right, cool, brush off your shoulder, next one, you know. Like, yeah. If I have a shit, if I have a shit gig, I'm like, all right, I, I need, I need another gig because I need yeah. to get over that shit gig that I just did. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's just that, that, nah, that passion for it which keeps 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 drawing me in, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. It was a uh, Michael Corleone uh, quote in the, uh, th- I think, Godfather 3. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back oh. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although you're not trying to get out, but if, let's say you were. So where does that mindset come from? Because it seems like you've got, you are super, you've got your head screwed on, super positive, very resilient. Is that something you've learned from, do you think, because you got into this at a young age or... Has people have you have it been handed down to you or where do you think you got that yeah. from? I, I I think it's from my family. Okay, um, my mum, my grandma, my dad, my aunts—they're all very strong, hard-working people. Okay, and they had to be. Like my, my grandma, for example, from the Caribbean, came here in 1961 with barely anything in her pockets and stuff like that. Um, she had to work hard, you know, to you know, provide for her family. And um, that's been passed to my mum. Like when I was a teenager, kid and teenager, yeah, my mum was at, she used to work two jobs supporting like, me and my brother. Um, so th- I've always been around strong, hardworking people in my family. Okay. Uh, and they, and they've, they've always instilled that in me. You know, education, hard work. You, you, you got to work hard. Yeah. And, you know, like, and, and I'm not, don't want to pull out the race card, but like, as a as a young black guy, they was like, you, you have to work twice as hard. And I, I've always like, yeah, okay, cool. Go work twice as hard to get the same thing that my peers are getting. So I've always been like, yeah, just stay on it, stay on it, stay on it. And um, I guess subconsciously, it's just it's it's in me without realizing that it's in me. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, that's interesting. So moving away from from the stand up, you said before, you know, you're writing scripts and so forth. How how do you find experience of writing long form? sitcom scripts and do you prefer to do those on your own or are you much more of a fan of collaborating with with other people um i don't mind both I, I, on my own is cool in the sense that i can just get on a fit when i want yeah but collaborating the great thing about that is that there's especially if i'm working with someone and they come from a different angle uh-huh. you know what i mean so yeah. someone totally different to me then we're both coming at the same thing, but from different perspectives sure. and they'll see jokes that I don't see. And then I can top that joke and you know, and, and add on to it and stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's like a, a beautiful comedy mixture coming together. Yeah. Um, like one script I'm writing at the moment where I'm working with another comedian uh, uh, from the same area as me, um, but just we come at things totally different perspectives. And uh, yeah, it, it just, it works. You know, like when I first started, writing my Radio 4 show. I was writing with um, uh, a guy who was already in with Radio 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a white middle class guy. And I'm, you know, West Indian, you know, n- never really heard of Radio 4 before. Yeah. But it worked so well. Okay. Because, like, he would make my 
West Indian family jokes accessible to a radio full audience. Right. And his jokes, I would add my West Indian flavor onto it. And it just, it, it worked. Yeah. You know, it was a yeah, yeah. fusion of these two worlds coming together. Um, so yeah, that was cool. Um, and in terms of writing scripts, uh, I like it. I mean, I, it's, it's different from stand-up in that with these long, like half an hour scripts, for example, mm. you have a bit more room. It, it's a bit more time to breathe. Yeah. Stand up, you know, if I'm doing a 20 minute set, you know, you've got to be boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, you know, keep the last rolling. While with, you know, with a script, with like a sitcom script, for example, um, yeah, there's a bit more, a bit more room. So, you know, just take your time, you know, develop the characters and joke, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be joke every line. Yeah, 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 that like machine gun style. So, you're saying for when you've been writing stand-up at home, you'll have an idea in your head and then you'll go and write it down. Is that similar to how you work when you're working on scripts? So whatever it is you're doing, you might be playing FIFA, an idea comes to you in your head and then yeah. it's like, clock it, right, write that down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, it's, it's changed. When I first started, I used to have to write it down straight away and I, I would write up the joke word for word. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And then I'd go on stage and I wouldn't, I would never say it how I wrote it down. It would always come out in a different, more organic form. Right. So I stopped writing it word for word. Instead, I'd write it like just like keywords or bullet points. Okay. So I know what, what it is, but how it comes out is just how it comes out. Yeah. Or sometimes I have just the idea in my head and then I'd go on stage, blurt it out and, and see what works best and what comes out and then log that. Okay. And then that, that will become that piece of material um, i guess in terms of the script yeah go on sorry in, in terms of the script um sometimes i'll have an idea for I don't know, a character or a line or something and then i'll make a mental note of it and then but then sometimes i'll just sit i'll purposely sit down and be like okay you're gonna work on this script today and see what happens and then you just so you'll just sit there blank piece of paper and just go for it just push out whatever comes yeah just yeah, just yeah. Try, try and like force myself, you know. To, yeah. To to write something. Um. So sometimes it's, it's trash, shit. But then there might it might be like ninety nine percent shit, and then that one percent of gold. Like, I'll keep that. Yeah, at yeah. Least, at least that's better than nothing, and it's something. So will you try and write every day? Um, I try to write every day. Um, but I, I try to come up with an idea or something in my head. Yeah. I might not sit down and, and like actually write every day, but there's always things going on in my head. Like, because <laughs> comedy is everywhere, isn't it? So like, yeah, yeah. There's, always, there's always something. Don't, don't you find, in order to, to be able to pick it up, your comedy antennas, you need to be really like as present as possible in life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You need to be there. Yeah, you need to be on it and just observing it the whole time right you, there's, there's yeah. no time for just mulling over your own personal problems or issues otherwise you're missing <laughs> it right yeah yeah, yeah man you got eyes on the go man just be like yeah, yeah. yeah like, sometimes like you know people might think i'm, I'm quiet you know for a comedian you're very quiet no no, no I'm, I'm watching i'm yeah. observing right I'm for the for the nuggets to come out guys yeah. you, you guys carry on talking i'll, I'll be here <laughs> making, making <laughs> yeah, mental notes yeah sorry say that again get out your pen and paper <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah so, so yeah so I, yeah i sometimes i'll just i'll just with my group of friends i'll just you know something will happen and i won't say anything but i'll be like all right cool 
Yeah. I've got that one. And then it'll come out on stage, you know, a month or so later. And then yeah. the person will be like, oh, I can't believe it. Hey, you said it in front of me. <laughs> it's fair game. It's fair game. Yeah. I, just, I had a thing, uh, I went for breakfast with a friend, uh, a couple of friends a couple of weeks ago. And one of them said something, I don't know, some funny story. And uh, I, I get out my phone. That's what I tend to do. And I just like, uh, just start recording it. <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I said, well, I'm just recording it. It's like, you can't, you can't do that. And that's, that's private. And so why I just change the names. What's the problem? <laughs> you find that people like try and like not do things in front of you because you'll turn it into that like, material or, or use it or something. I, I don't know if they, they say that, but they will sometimes like preempt by after they said a story, go, you can't use that. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They, they'll do that all out. They'll be like, oh, I, I need to be careful what I say because you're going you're gonna to use me gonna one use of your it. jokes. Yeah. Like, don't mind. Listen, when I decide to use you in your jokes, you won't even realize it until it's too late. So don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a comedy ninja. Yeah, exactly, mate. You won't see me until it's too late. I'll do the material six months before you even clock that it's you. <laughs> and, and then by that point, the clip's gone viral. It's done. It's too late. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear that. So um, when you started off doing stand-up, was there anyone or was there, I don't know, a few different people in mind that you were like, this is, this is the goal, this is the vision, this is the kind of career that I want? And if so, has that changed as, as you've got older or has it always been, these are the guys that I'm aiming for? Uh, this is going to sound like proper like deluded, but uh, the, the big American comedians have always been like my idols. Yeah, so same. Eddie Murphy is like just the guy. For King, me. yeah. Like, like 80s Eddie, you know, Trading yeah. Places, Beverly Hills Cop, Delirious, Raw. That's like, yeah. He's always been like, oh, man, if I could have that career, oh my gosh. Yeah. Because yeah. um, he had the physical then, oh, comedy as well. His physical comedy was insane. Yeah, yeah, and, and the impressions, you know, like, everything. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. And I was like, oh, I'd love to be that guy. You know what I mean? Um, and then there was like Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. Mm. And I was like, yeah, uh, Chris Tucker to to a slightly lesser extent, but still like seeing him in like Russia money talks and stuff. Yeah. Um, they were the guys. I was like, if I I want to have careers like that, right? You know, being a comedian and then breaking out into acting and doing like, TV and so and so. Um, yeah, and as I've got older, I'm obviously seeing more and more comedians. Uh, at the moment, I'm really into Bill Burr. Yeah, um, he's great, yeah. Yeah, he's, oh, he's so funny. He's, yeah. Um, I think it's important to have some of the, you know, those guys who are just fearless in what they say, uh, particularly at the moment where, you know, everyone's kind of nervous about what they can and they can't say, and mm -hmm. sometimes rightly so, but... You know, those people have earned their stripes and they're kind of like, well, no, this, I'm, I'm a comedian and uh, I have, yeah. there's merit in what I'm saying and it's funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bill Burr is just like, just pure stand-up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not looking at any like TV thing or anything like that. Just, just as a stand-up, his career, oh man, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the guys. Those are the guys. Yeah. I mean... In terms of British comedy as well, because obviously got a lot of American influences. But um, as a kid growing up, Lenny Henry yeah, was yeah. the guy that I looked up to because I just watched what my family watched, right? And they watched Lenny Henry because obviously he was he was the only black guy at the time. You know what I mean? Uh, so they could relate to all his jokes and stuff. And yeah. I was like, okay, 
he looks like like he you. looks like us, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, that's a big that, thing. That's I mean, that's so important. I think finally now the conversation is like shifting. I mean, too little, too late, yeah. but there's more and more role models now from people from different, you know, ethnic backgrounds. And it's, it's so important mm. for younger people who are just starting out to be able to look at that person and go, yeah, I can relate to that person. They, they speak like me. They look like me. Yeah. Yeah. And L- Lenny was that guy for me as a kid. So, how, so, that, so that must be a pretty cool feeling to have had him as one of your idols. And now you've got, I mean, you've got something in development with his production company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's yeah, pretty so sick, what, right? It's a, Oh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah so, so it's a script and then I've worked with him on a few things and stuff. Yeah, amazing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, oh, cool, man. Like this guy who I watched as a kid, he's not talking to me like, you know, like we're comedy bros. You know, yeah, even though yeah. he's like way up there and I'm like, oh, my, you mate, mentor. Yeah, he's, he's, it's amazing now to be able to work with him and, you know, yeah, and he's, he's a really cool guy. He's really encouraging as well, you know, for the, for the younger generation. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I feel blessed and fortunate. Yeah, it's amazing, man. It's inspiring. That's really great. Um, so we, I've touched upon this with you before, but um, so outside, outside of work, your comedy career, in, mm. uh, aside from gaming, what else do you do to relax? Do you, do, do you sports guy? Do you work out? Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I, I'm a, I love like working out. Okay. In the gym. Um, Hitting the weights? Yeah. yeah. So it's a combination of weights, swimming and uh hit hit classes okay um and yeah so when the gyms were open i was going like monday to friday okay uh, every morning about two hours um sets you up for the day doesn't it yeah exactly no i'm, yeah. I'm good to those go. endorphins mm, good to go man yeah I, I love it man i love it I've, I've really got into that um especially like in the last few years yeah I've really got into like just weights and swimming you know and, yeah, all, all that. Yeah. Um, sports as well. Um, I don't play as much as I should, probably because I'm, I've always been busy. But like in terms of watching sports, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I watch really. Apart from like the Sky Sports, um, BT Sports. Yeah, that's. You're, you're a big footy else. fan, aren't you? I'm a football and basketball nut. Basketball as well. Okay, so would you yeah. follow follow basketball over here or mostly NBA? NBA. NBA. Yeah, you watch. Yeah. You must have watched the Last Dance. Oh yeah, that's great, isn't it? That's, that was good. Uh, that is that was incredible, good. wasn't it? That for me yeah. was motivating. I watched that and I was like, "Let's go!" <laughs> you know, I don't know, I don't know where we're going, but we're going somewhere. Where's the hoop? Some yeah. give, give me a damn hoop. <laughs> I miss that. I used to love playing. I would call it street ball, but you know, we used to go down to the local okay. park and play. And yeah. and I miss that, man. I mean, I'd be shit now. I tried throwing a ball the other day and it's just like just completely missed the target. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, so, so, okay, so that's, that's, that's a nice combo. And, and what do you do, what have you been doing? You know, obviously the gyms are shut now. You haven't been able to swim. There was a small period of time where, where we were able to do that. But yeah. what were you doing to replace that? Were you just doing workouts at home? Yeah, home workouts, um, okay. which it's, if lockdown one, I didn't mind it. Yeah. But lockdown two, it's like, oh, again, back here again. Yeah. Like, after lockdown one, I had lost so much of my strength in like lifting weights. Yeah. Then when the gyms reopened, I went back, hit it hard, and I got my strength back. I was even stronger. Well, yeah. Like I was squatting, bench pressing, doing deadlifts, stronger than I'd ever done. I was like, this is stronger than I've ever been in my life. Right. Now after the gyms are back closed, I'm back to like resistance bands and 
doing burpees <laughs> in my living room. Like, it's, uh, it just feels like a bit like pathetic, so doesn't it? Yeah, I'm going to lose understand. all my strength again, man. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, and, and also like swimming as well. I, I, I love swimming. I, I, I could swim and swim and swim. Like, yeah. So, so for a black guy to say is very weird. I, <laughs> but <laughs> I do. I love swimming. I, I, I love swimming. It's therapeutic, it. isn't it? It is exactly because you're so quite. You gotta be. You're in the moment. Mm, it's just so chilling. Like everything else, kind of just like falls fizzles out. You know, you don't think about anything else. Just, just there swimming in your own little world. Just yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I miss I miss that man. I miss that. Like, yeah, I miss wake up in the morning. To hit the gym is something that um, come December third, I'm you're in the gym hard. You're in there, yeah, yeah. You got your protein shake in one hand, your creatine in the other one. You go, oh. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I got my dip belts now, <laughs> <laughs> and the chalk, old school. You ever see anyone with the chalk these days? Yeah, mate. This this guys at the gym. I imagine I go to there. Yeah, they, they got chalk, man. They, they love they, the they chalk. Got, I got chalk if you want some. I like, oh, okay, I've got gloves, but I've got gloves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny and how early do you go are you a, do you go first thing to the gym um yeah, yeah. so i'll yeah. be in there about 8 a.m latest is that even if you've had a gig the night before yeah if i'm gigging in london or somewhere close by then yeah I'll, you'll be in there for I'll, eight I'll definitely be there yeah, 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 eight yeah. a.m because my gym kind of gets busy from like half nine ten onwards okay so i like to be there when it's fairly quiet so yeah i can like, use the weights and machines in peace because i yeah. hate when like i've just started as well like, how many sets you got both so, oh, i've just got here man leave me alone yeah. back off do you want to just oh, jump good. in <laughs> yeah. i've just done three <laughs> reps mate <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> we, we came in there together bro come on yeah. <laughs> yeah all right so i'm gonna ask you two more questions uh, mm. before we wrap things up are there any books that you have read over the years or listened to via audio that have had a a big impact on you and inspired you in some way? Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. Okay. Um, what books have I read? I read a lot. I only read autobiographies now. I don't really yeah, read anything I'm else. a big fan of autobiographies. Yeah. I don't know. Ma- Malcolm X is a oh, great book. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, yeah, that's pretty self-explanatory. That's inspiring. Yeah, yeah. big time. Exactly. Um, I think... I don't think there's any book that's going to be more inspiring than Malcolm X. I wouldn't say. Okay, great. And uh, next, I'm going to ask you the question I ask all the all the guests that come on the podcast. What does the idea of balance mean to you or not, Nathan? Balance to me. Balance to me is probably like having the best of of both worlds or having, having the best of of all aspects of life. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know what I mean by that, but it makes sense in my head. Yeah, I hear uh, that. It's it's been like okay for me in my life, balance is working hard, but then being able to enjoy that time off and be thankful that I've worked hard or reflect that I've worked hard. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like balance. Balance for me is like gigging my ass off, mm-hmm. and then come august i'm on holiday with my girlfriend and i'm like okay i'm not in edinburgh um but it's okay because i've worked my ass off for the last how many months now so i can i can have this moment yeah yeah so yin and yang 
the yin and yang. Yeah, that's great. That's a great way of putting it. All right, thank you. Um, where can people find out more about what you're what you're up to? Um, my, my social media, man. I'm all I'm all over at the moment because I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> um, so uh, Instagram is Nathan Caton, and that's uh, Nathan N A T H A N Caton C A T O N. But Twitter is um, Nathan Caton, all one word. Also Facebook and TikTok. For some reason, I think I'm still young. Nathan Caton, comedian. Um, uh, I do a football quiz. I'm a big sports fan. I do football quiz on uh, on a Sunday, Sunday night at nine p.m. on my Insta Live. Uh, I'll do do two podcasts. One's called "Give Me Some Good News," which is all about focusing on the good things in the world and positivity. Uh, and the other podcast I do is called "An Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scot," um, uh, with me and two other guys, and we just talk about our lives in general. But yeah, I'm, I'm if you follow me on social media you'll find out everything else. Brilliant. All right, man. Well, look, thanks so much for coming on. It's been great chatting to you. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Perfect. So there we have it. Nathan Caton in the building via Zoom. Another great one. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. And as always, if you did, please leave a lovely, lovely warm, glowing review. Yeah. Uh, do your good deed. It's, uh, you'll feel good about it and I'll feel even better. All right. Uh, I will leave it there. As always, thank you very much uh, for listening. I hope you got something out of this episode and it was inspiring and your lockdown too is is going all right. And until the next time, see you later. Balancing Acts is made in association with the comedy crowd who support independent comedy creators. They showcase the best new videos on comedycrowdtv.com and across media platforms. They support independent comedy creators and showcase the best new videos, including adult animation, sketch shows, web series, viral hits, and lots more. So if you're a creator, then... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do check them out.